Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Andy Murray from What Culture to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite Fight for the Fallen. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also the Rampage Baby. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, <laughs> Dubai, oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bunny quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Andy to review AW Dynamite, Fight for the Fallen, and what an awful show this was, Andy, <laughs> in opposite land. Sorry, I just had to do that. <laughs> All right, Cora. I, because I thought, I thought... Wouldn't it be funny if Sidge, because we know he's watched this show, I've seen his tweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also hilarious that Tony waits to book really, really, like, last week's was good up to a point, but exceptional dynamites. He saves when Sidgwick isn't here to talk about them. But I also thought of him thinking, I'll just check on the podcast, see if the boys are, you know, saying the right things. And here's me saying that to start off with, (laughs) throws his phone into the pool. (laughs) <laughs> uh, what a show this was, Andy. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a tremendous dynamite. Uh, one of the best of the year so far. Yeah. Usually with these, you know, we've had a bunch of these labeled specials recently. The Road Ragers, the Fight Fighter Fest, the Blood and Guts and, and all of that. And a lot of them have been really good and they've had lots of positive qualities. But rarely is it that one of these things that we've been conditioned to receive as like mini pay-per-views almost sometimes. Yeah. Rarely is it that, you know, the the immense excitement you get from looking at those match graphics and thinking about all the potential permutations and and these wonderful combos that have been put together. Rarely is it quite as magical on the night. You know, there's usually usually something here or there that makes you go, oh, that's a bit of a bummer. Um, You know, there was one particular match in here that we'll talk about that didn't quite live up to my expectations, but I still found plenty to enjoy. But Fight for the Fallen across the board was, I thought this was a tremendous pro wrestling. This was so tremendous, in fact, that the usual array of weird guys on Twitter were very angry when I said how much I loved it. So (laughs) that's always a good sign that the show was good. And yeah, I was glancing at Twitter this morning and I, they couldn't really seem to find anything to, to throw at this show either. What, the losers? And yeah. What, what is it, the losers and trolls? Shout yeah, to just... Mongo eBooks. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. They um, flew by as well, this two hours. They really did. It was one of those shows where 
oftentimes in the AEW, the, com- the complaint about things flying by in an instant and not getting time to land is quite valid. Uh, I've agreed with that plenty of times in the past. Um, this was one of those shows where everything fit into place quite nicely and none of the matches were like too long or anything like that, which would mean cutting mm-hmm. time from anywhere else. They kept a couple of them really short, which I really appreciate. Um, couple of minor flaws here and there, but nothing yeah. to seriously dampen my enjoyment of the show, no. and I hope that this is reflected. Yeah, I don't want to... I don't want to ruin the mood, right? Oh, here he goes. What are we starting on? I'm starting on the people who say, <laughs> why are you so negative all the time when it comes to AW Dynamite? Because then you get shows like this. <laughs> wow, you punched the table. Just, it really winds me up when you, yourself or the Dadleys or whoever come in and critically... Like, you, you three yeah, especially yeah. are exceptional at really, like even if we're just chatting in the office, not just saying why you don't like something, but explaining why it's bad or explaining how it could be improved. And and the thing is, if we just blanket said, well, I didn't really like this, but I'm going to give it a pass. If that happens, then everyone's standards are lowered. And then, you know... you don't get shows like you got last night. Yeah, exactly. Like because people have been saying, "Oh, you know, is Tony Khan doing a bit of mid booking recently?" Not necessarily last <laughs> week, but in recent times. And all I've seen on Twitter today is people saying, "Thrives under pressure, this boy, doesn't he?" Yeah, yeah. So that's that. Just just to reiterate, that's why we say what we say because yeah. when shows like this come around, you go. There you go. Uh, you can't. Yeah. And I know they can't keep this sort of thing up every single yeah. week. And I know, you, as you say, these are the sort of TV pay-per-views, effectively. Sure. But, yeah, don't let them get away with all the other stuff by simply saying, well, it's better than Raw. Brilliant. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. You can't just be blanket positive about everything. You, you, you're, you want your pundits. You should want your pundits to be honest and authentic um, and speak their mind and, and pick apart why things worked or why didn't in their view. I'm of the opinion, and loads of people will disagree with this on the podcast, uh, the, the Michaels disagree with me profusely, but I think that when it comes to art, when it comes to a performance art like pro wrestling, there is no such thing as objectively good or bad. You, there are no standards you can apply to it that are inarguable that make it good or bad. Yeah. It is entirely subjective to me. Um, one man's magic, uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing objective objective about any of this i we can argue about that till the cows come home but we're we all like different things we all appreciate different Mm. aspects of the sport we all see different things as positive and negative you'll have days like this where the reaction is broadly positive because they've done a great job of appealing to so many different sects of the people watching this show end of the day we're all trying to enjoy a wrestling show here this job rules so much when the show is great yes my review usually takes me about an hour and a half, two hours to write on the website. I think I did it in about an hour today because I was so hyped <laughs> up about it. You want shows to be awesome, but you have to hold them to a standard when it's not hitting to the level that it has in the past. And you would like, you have to be real with it. And that's exactly. what we are. I feel like that's what we are. And if, if you want to know Andy's uh, thoughts coupled with this podcast, you can check them out right now. Whatculture.com. Yeah. Ups and downs for AW Dynamite. Little spoiler, not many downs. Yeah, the number is zero. Um, <laughs> but as always, it's kind of like there are kind of supplemental downs within yeah. those. But that's, that's what we do. Even if we like something, we're going to go, okay, well, this could have been a little bit better. Yeah. This would have taken it over the edge even though the hole was good. And we will uh, speak about that specifically with the women's title match exactly. on this show. Andy and I support incredibly good football teams, but there's always ways to improve yes. on the football pitch. Well, even if you are the best team in the National League. Or the best team in Scotland. 
two stars above the badge, it's not for everybody. Mm. There you go. Famous envied, and after this summer, handsome dandy dons <laughs> anyway, Jim Goodwin. Let's get back to AEW Dynamite because the show started <laughs> at a million miles an hour uh, with the uh, interim AEW world title being defended. It was John Moxley versus... Oh, to write my name. Can you remember uh, who John Moxley fought here? A former WWE wrestler, Crush. <laughs> Crush. Crush. That's the one. <laughs> Uh, You're a prick. <laughs> he, attacks, he attacks before the bell. Uh, he sends Moxie into the barricade. Uh, the match starts once he gets him back in there. Attacks him with corner clotheslines. Bites at his face. Moxie's already busted open within like two minutes of this match starting. <laughs> thought, oh, here we go. Moxley gonna Moxley. Yup. Uh, Jose, the, the assistant's there. He distracts the official and Rush swings a chair at Moxley, but Moxley avoids it. Takes him out with a suicide dive. Vertical suplex on the floor. Um, they brawl back in. Mox, uh, Moxley gets brought back out to the outside uh, by Rush, who then uh, Rush, sorry, who then chokes him with an electrical cord uh, and dominates through the commercial break. When we come back, Moxley gets a big old suplex to to give him some space, uh, and he takes Rush down with a King Kong lariat. But Rush fires back with a snap German for a two count, puts it, uh, Moxley in a, cru- a cross face, uh, cruise face, <laughs> a cruise face. I'm messing this up, uh, but he reverses. <laughs> It beautifully into just kicking Roosh's head in, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, overhead belly to belly into the turnbuckle from Roosh uh, has Moxley in trouble. But Moxley fights out of a superplex by biting at his face, <laughs> buys himself some time. Um, again, Jose takes the official, Andrade El Idolo rushes down and pushes Moxley off the top. Lucha Bros, Death Triangle, they all come down to chase them off. Uh, Moxley rolls up Roosh for two. He counters the bullhorns into a lariat, but then Roosh fires back with a beautiful straight jacket pile driver mm. for a near fall. Um, goes for another bull's horn attempt. Moxie avoids it, puts him in a rear naked choke. Roosh decides, what's the best way out of this? Headbutts, probably. But he goes straight <laughs> into a death rider for a near fall, and then Moxie catches him in a rear naked choke and transitions into the bulldog choke for the victory. We'll talk about what happened after the match in a second, Andy. Uh, but what did you make of this? World title match is a goddamn opener to this dynamite. Great. It hit its ceiling, didn't it? Um, they they beat the crap out of each other. This was like a gross, dirty brawl between two gross, dirty brawlers. Obviously, they're both a bit more rangy than that, but Rouge at his core, his most compelling work in Mexico was him brawling all over the floor with LA Park and, you know, using the environment and, and taking wires and choking dudes and... Uh, beating them up with chairs and, uh, you know, throwing them into barricades and just being this really compelling, threatening playboy guy (laughs) who is also a complete sociopath. And that came across here, I think, probably stronger than in his other matches in the Canverse so far. (laughs) Like, don't get me wrong, the Dragon Lee match was awesome. I loved it. And I liked the Penta match a lot more than a lot of people did. Um, But this was the first time, like, the true menace of the guy came out. He's a prick. He's a dirty (laughs) prick. And he's great. He's, you know, attacking Moxley before the bell, ripping his shirt off just so he could chop him. Like, that kind of speaks it, doesn't it? You have to go to all that effort just so you can get some skin out and slap the crap out of it. And, of course, Moxley being Moxley is busted open in a minute. What a guy. Like, Renee at home must be having kittens at this stage. But, uh, yeah, no, this cat... It happens at home. Like, she goes... <laughs> she comes John, in. John, can you just get me a... Uh, can you just get me a uh, banana from the kitchen? 
And he walks in, walks by. How are you busted <laughs> open? What's happened? He takes a blade job when he's uh, when he's boiling the kettle. <laughs> I could totally see that happening. He's he's that weird guy. I love him so much. Yeah. Uh, this this ruled hard. It had that perfect bellicose, intense energy. Great character from Roosh coming across. I mean, this guy's just got such physical charisma. I say it every time, but it's overwhelming yeah. to a degree. He commands presence. Did they change his entrance theme for this as well? I think they did. I think they did, which is, like, I love Mikey Ruckus. I think he does good work, but I really like the the old one. But, yeah, this was kind of perfect. And I think that if anyone was maybe, maybe watched that Penta match and went, ah, a little bit sloppy, this. Yeah, that is in Roosh's arsenal for sure, although maybe I'd attribute that more to Penta in that case. I think that any fears you might have had about this guy potentially being top guy or top guy adjacent in AEW were probably swept away in a crimson tide of nasty, horrible, delicious, sweaty violence. Yes, this was the guy that you'd, you'd hyped me up on, and uh, I loved this as, a, as an opener. And following the match, uh, Judas hits. Chris Jericho comes out along with some members of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, Sammy Guevara's there. Tay Conti. Uh, cool Hand Ange. Cool Hand. Love Anna Jay. Uh, and Parker Coolhan Ange demands, demands that the AW Galaxy <laughs> appreciate us. Uh, Jericho <laughs> congratulates Moxley on a great match and then puts himself and his, his stable over, of course. Um, and he mentions Anna Jay called him last week. She wanted an opportunity. And Anna Jay revealed she's Anna Jay AS now. Oh, man. Said she'd choke everyone out, got all fired up, really like that. Um, and Jericho's looking a little bit worse for wear. He's got the Robbie yeah. Fowler nose tape on. Yeah. He's got black eyes and things like that. He talks about what Eddie Kingston put him through last week, a broken nose. He had to be cut out of the barbed wire spiderweb. I think he said something like, like, like a horsefly. He got yeah. really angry. Um, but more importantly than, than all that, than what he was put through, than the fact he was bleeding like a stuck pig by the end, uh, he beat Eddie Kingston. And next up, he is going to beat Moxley. He is on fire right now. And after two and a half years, Le Champion will return. Over to Moxley. God, do I hate you, Chris Jericho. <laughs> Excellent. There was a lot of things on this show, and I don't want to spoil the bit later, because I know you and I loved it, mm. where you go, like, your first sentence, first line out the gate, it, it sort of sets the tone. And there was a lot of things, <laughs> yeah. things on this show where you were like, well... We know where this is going, yeah. and it was all good stuff. Um, talked about, he said, oh, bollocks all that interim stuff. I'm a two-time world champion. Um, I used to look up to you, Chris, uh, but everything you've got going on right now is pathetic. Um, this isn't a sports entertainment champion. It's a professional wrestling championship. Uh, and, you know, Jericho, you got the balls. Leave everyone at home. I don't want a wizard or a, 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 run through a all magician. His, all of his gimmicks. King of trademarks. He says he wants the guy... The OG, basically, from the Super J Cup, the Lionheart. Yeah. And yes, they are going to fight for the title at, and I've already forgotten. Quake by the Lake. Quake by there the you Lake. Go. I keep wanting to say Quake at the Lake. Steak and Quake by the Shake. Mate, mate I came in this morning calling it Wake by the Lake. So <laughs> it's getting better. But yeah, they're going to fight for the title in two weeks. Snake great, in the Lake. Great back and forth from these two. Yeah, the point of a promo is to, is to promote. The key's kind of in the name. Uh, but I think if you were a bit cynical about maybe Jericho being elevated as a world championship contender, uh, particularly following the questionable booking of last week's main event, this would have probably done a lot to, to alleviate those fears. Uh, this ruled. Um, they did a really good job of establishing or emphasizing, I should say, because these were already established, contrasting character dynamics. 
the Sports Entertainment Guild or whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I just shouted out an EFED thing there. My apologies. The, the Jericho Appreciation Society um, are the sports entertainers. They tell you that straight away because Cool Hand Ange is over here referencing the AEW Galaxy and, and taking the piss out of Roman Reigns. Yeah. It's funny stuff. I love that nonsense. And then Jericho comes across as such a whiner when he's complaining about getting brutalized and cut out of this barbed wire. And then he's just willfully ignorant of the man standing in front of him, saying he's going to be the first ever two-time Le Champion and all of this stuff when John Moxley's standing there with the belt over his shoulder. <laughs> Tremendous, just stupid, pig-headed heel stuff. And then John Moxley cuts through all the sports entertainment crap straight away. Um, I'm not playing these games. Shut up, Chris. You're being a fanny. <laughs> fight like you used to. Fight like the guy on the VHS tapes that I ordered from dodgy magazines when I was 12 or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, go back to being the Lionheart. Go back to being the last survivor of the Heart Dungeon, which I like in particular. We love a bit of uh, Heart Family masturbatory stuff here at WhatCulture.com, mm -hmm. as do many of the AEW wrestlers. So we're always going to shout that out. And this this plays into Chris's hands so well because he loves this persona stuff, doesn't he? He loves being a painkiller one week and being a magician the other. <laughs> a wizard, sorry. I've just, I'm Moxley now, apparently. Uh, and, and flipping between his personas, the many faces of Jericho or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so going back to the Lionheart, as he has previously done in AEW, fits that so well. Um, the match is already over. You know, you've you've established what this feud is going to be. It's a good heater two weeks or three weeks before All Out as well because it means that potentially the Punk match might still be on the table. You're telling me there's a chance. The gimmick. Yes, the gimmick. exactly. That was the thing for me. When, he, when the Jericho music hits, there was a bit of me that was like, oh, no. Like, we've, we're worried that this was coming our way. Here we go. We're only, what, five or so five or weeks six. Yeah. Out, out from All Out? And you're like, they could easily say, I'll see you at the pay-per-view. And then they go, two weeks. And I go, great. Yeah. Moxie retains. Yeah. Maybe even do the gimmick of Punk coming out as he did with Cena all those years ago in WWE. And I've got the real Chud title and we'll decide it in September. Um, yeah, as, a, as an ironic interim title challenger, this is perfect for me. Yeah. And uh, yes, you couldn't get much more polar opposites right now than John Moxley and the Wizard. The Wizard. And it comes from, you know, existing beef as well. Yeah. Cool. Good. I didn't like last week. I didn't like the way last week's main event was booked to to give Jericho a win that, that you know, believably advances him up the rankings uh, and Eddie getting his heat back, quotations with the barbed wire and stuff. But this was good. And we're reviewing this week's show. Here's an idea. So obviously Jericho loses. What's he going to do at the pape? We still haven't really got the, the bow on that feud yeah, that the must tie. continue. What about instead of a hair versus hair match, because I know how much this would rile you up, a hair versus a hair transplant match, <laughs> right? I know Eddie Kingston's not balding. He's bald. He's just shaving it. But what if he's forced, if he loses, to get like Jericho hair that he can't cut? <laughs> it would take him like two years to grow. I love it. Yeah, why not? Let's go. He basically gets extensions, but stapled into his head. Yeah, oh my goodness. That and, would gonna, be... and Giggs is going to win, so it doesn't matter. So yeah. you get there in the end. Ah, that's absolutely disgusting. I'm, I'm here for it. Why not? Uh, speaking of all out, though. About goddamn time. They have finally introduced these trios titles. They Gosh. look great. 
Uh, they're laid across the commentary desk uh, and they announce there's going to be a tournament to crown the champions that concludes at All Out. Love me a tourney. And yes, love me some trios titles eventually. <laughs> yeah, Tony loves a tourney as well, doesn't he? It feels like we get one of these every uh, couple of months. But um, yes, long overdue. We've been speaking about these on our news show for, I feel, about two and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it was that week that they did where they were like, we're going to choose some new titles. Yeah. And then Death Triangle were kind of like coming through. Like when they when they started breaking out in like 2020, it was like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because from day one, AEW has had loads of combinations. Even groups like SoCal Uncensored that have split up since then, you know, they've been replaced by other units. Yeah. Last night, we had another trio kind of, go in opposite directions that we'll touch upon, but oh. there's still plenty of options elsewhere. It, it, it's been a thriving, buzzing scene in the company for ages, or more, not necessarily a thriving, buzzing scene, because it's not like they book a trios match every week, mm. but it's been, uh, has the potential to become exactly. one. It's been hiding in plain sight for a while. Exactly. And we all thought when they introduced the All-Atlantic title. Here it comes. Yeah, it was, and I'm, I'm happy for that, and, you know, Pac beating... Uh, Adam Cleary and OTT. That's and all right. That. Uh, all good stuff. I wondered where Adam Cleary was this week, but then he <laughs> showed up. Yeah, and, and you know, I understand why they were delayed. Obviously, the the pandemic made certain yeah. wrestlers getting into the into the United States difficult, and and uh, Kenny Omega was going to be a big part of this, and he was he's been injured for the best part of a year now. And Tony always said, you know, I'm waiting until Kenny's Kenny's healthy or whatever. So. Does that foreshadow his return now that these belts mm. are coming in? I think that's another cool aspect of this. Could All Out 2022 be better than All Out 2021? Oh, my goodness. Don't set that bar. Don't set that bar no for pressure, yourself. No pressure, but be better than one of the best pay-per-views of all time. The greatest AEW pay-per-view to date. Um, it's really difficult to kind of beat CM Punk's first match in seven years and the debut of... Uh, Pardon me, Brian Danielson yeah. and Adam Cole and Minoru Suzuki, lest we forget, and 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 the great matches on that card. But hey, look, I, I'm an eternal optimist, so I'm gonna give it a chance, yes. even if I'm not gonna set that bar for myself. And it's the same weekend as Clash. Oh, it's such a mad. Weekend, oh, that. what? A, yeah, the figuring out what we're gonna work that weekend <laughs> is gonna be atrocious. But it's a nice problem to have. Exactly. We, we work in wrestling. We can't complain. Oh man. no, we can't we're gonna watch more wrestling. Yeah, exactly. what a shame. We have to analyze this show that was really good and fun and we enjoyed. And even if it isn't really good and fun and we enjoyed, we're gonna tell you why. And we're still gonna have fun because mm. it's a cool job. So I said, it's not harder right. than being a teacher. This job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, moving on. Dante Martin. <laughs> Dante Martin cuts a promo. Uh, talking about the fact that if uh, Sammy Guevara's got take on in his corner, he's going to have Sky Blue, and then there's a brilliant promo video for Absolute. Oh, Ricky this, Starks, this is great. This is like the start of like a, a perfect 10 minutes of TV, wasn't it? Well, not all perfect. Oh, uh, I got worked so hard yeah, by what happened here. by the end of it. So, yes, yeah. it was time for the FTW title match. Ricky Starks against... Richard! Hello there! Danhausen goes to do his curse <laughs> thing and then changes it into Starks' pose. Starks just kicks him as hard <laughs> as he can. Uh, Danhausen comes back, though, because after Starks does his, his little pose. Uh, little pose. How patronizing. He looks incredible. <laughs> little, absolute peace. Uh, Danhausen is a pump kick. Northern Light suplex. Starks fights out of it, though. Uh, Danhausen dodged a spear, and this was the moment we talked about in the preview, rolled Starks up, and I was like, oh, my God, no. No. Uh, great near fall. Starks then just spears him. One, two, three. Ricky Starks retains for now the FTW championship. Uh, Post-match, he gets on the mic. He says Danhausen was very nice, very evil, but not absolute. He's selling his neck, um, yeah. but he says, like last week, for real this time, 
I got a lot left in the tank. Uh, let's have someone else out here to challenge for it. And Taz is like, ooh, I'm not sure about this. And then Hook's, oh, Hook's music hits. Oh, he comes out, he's got orange trunks. For the first time as well, Taz mm. was saying, yeah. How appropriate. And he comes down and Stocks is like, oh, oh bollocks. Oh, boy. Um, Hook lays in body shots, pump handle suplex straight away, but Starks fights back, back suplex, goes for a hip toss. Hook just flips out of it. <laughs> crowd, for that. Uh, Starks nails him with a spear, though, goes for the Rochambeau, but Hook reverses it into the red room. Starks is desperately trying to roll and get to the ropes, but in the end, it's like a standing red rum. Yeah. Gets the submission victory for Hook. He is the new FTW champion. We're going to have to break this down, down into bright-sized pieces, so we'll talk about the, the post-match in a second. Yeah. But there's oh, a nice fist bump lost. afterwards. But Hook is your lost. new FTW champion, and what a night for Taz on commentary. What a moment oh, that mate. must have been, watching his son win that. Yeah, watching his son win his belt in a big, hot show, because the crowd was really good last night across the board. Um, over the guy he's taken under his wing and Ricky Starks and Kayfabe at least, yeah, this was this was just oh man, it was such a, this was such a roller coaster. All of these components from the the vignette, which was really a megastar vignette, right? Like so well shot, a flashy man in his flashy clothes with his flashy. House just want to be friends with him. I stuff. just want to be friends. With so him. do I. I w- but I feel like I would feel like such a piece of trash. Yeah. Like in that, I'd be like, oh my goodness, I need to step my game up to a level I'm incapable of doing because this guy is is so cool. Yeah, um, I'd have like a personal dresser. I'd be up like three <laughs> hours beforehand and then he'd like roll out of bed and I'd be like, how's this? Yeah. How do you, what? I'd probably max out my credit card on clothes, you <laughs> yeah. know, that, that don't really fit. Uh, be those big oversized flannel shirts. That yeah, the yeah, that'd be me, man. I'd look like a complete buffoon. Um, <laughs> the Danhausen match was perfect. You don't need to give Danhausen more than a couple of like crafty pin attempts, uh, and then he just loses to a finisher. Uh, Danhausen's just like the gimmick is over because it's weird, and he's going to keep being weird, and he's going to keep being over. He doesn't he's need gonna to claim credit for Hook becoming FTW champion. Boom! There you go, and they're made soften him up for you. Yeah, they, that's exactly what he'll do. Be like, "Hi, hey, you won because of me." Yeah, no champions. No, you know. Yeah, that that would be entirely appropriate yeah. for the character, and then Hook can no sell it, and it'd be even better. Um, but yeah, Danhausen doesn't need to be. He doesn't need to be protected or anything nonsense no. like that. And then the hook thing is so awesome as well because you said on the news today it's honor amongst thieves, isn't it? It's not hook being a prick by coming down. It's him. Oh, here's a chance for me to win my dad's belt. Yeah, don't pass that up, mate. Nope. Do you? And and you know Ricky's selling the neck, and he's also like he's not prepared to wrestle his mate, so he's taken aback, which is why he lost so quickly. Uh, hook is also a force of nature, like in kayfabe. He runs through dudes. He, he crushes them. He had to sell a little bit here, which was cool. You got to see that side of his game, which isn't explored too often, apart from his QT Marshall match a little bit. Um, showed some new gears, flipping out of the hip toss yeah. and countering the Rochambeau quite expertly into the red drum. And there you go. It's a shock and awe package. Um, but the show of respect shows that that relationship is still intact. Uh-huh. It's not some crazy turn or anything we saved that for a few minutes later when will hobbs broke my heart yeah so it's roller coaster obviously this yeah you're like yay he's retained but there's not really that much of a i didn't wasn't that worried about him retaining then he loses the belt and you're sad right yeah but 
he talked about it himself. I describe it as like a bit of an albatross around your neck sometimes, this title, because it is a title, but it's not a title yeah. in terms it's of... It's a renegade yeah, title. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's a bit of you going, maybe this is a blessing in disguise, because maybe now he doesn't have to worry about all the FTW bollocks and, and, and that, and he doesn't get patronised by people saying, well, you already are a champion. He can focus up on whether it be you know, TNT, world title, tag title, trios titles. Hey. And you're like, okay, all right, I'm all right with this. And then already, as my brain has formed those thoughts, it's snatched away. Because, yes, Starks gets on the mic, and he's there with his best friend, Powerhouse Hobbs, which means there's an opening for his best friend, Ricky Starks, now, I've just realized. So There you go. Anyway. Applications. So he, uh, he says, this, this title was seen to some people as a noose, but I turned it into a tie. Great line. Um, I'm the only one who could do that. I exceed all expectations. I work hard every week. Uh, people keep telling me to work hard and I'll get my chance. My chance has been, though. It's been last month. My chance is right now that, again, though, this isn't a, stra- str- a string of bad luck. It's just bad timing. And now, going forward, boom! Not Wade Barrett. Powerhouse Hobbs <laughs> lays him out. Hits him a spine buster. Taz, as you pointed out in the news, shouts, what are you doing, Will? Yeah. Come on, Will. Oh, I, I, I hate loved this, if that oh, makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, I, I got totally worked by this because I was so disappointed. I was like, no, it's my favorite guys. And then I was like, yeah, then like I've been watching wrestling for 30 years. I'm a jaded, <laughs> I'm a jaded old prick. And it takes, it takes a lot to inspire that kind of response in me. So I was so disappointed at first because like, no, I wanted these guys to be friends forever and win the belts. And then I was like, oh, hold on. Yeah, no, that's just it working, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. the exact kind of response you want from this. Uh, Ricky's promo was so great. Again, it's always good at this stage. Um, but yeah, t- I took a, took the noose and turned it into a tie. I took metal and lever and turned it into gold. So good. Just great little snappy lines. And wrestling really has been... Wrestling has been behind on this guy, honestly, for about five, ten years at this stage, man. Like, it's incredible to me that this guy wasn't already a televised national star yeah. before AEW even existed. Because it, and it speaks to WWE's kind of Vince McMahon really his biases are ah either pal he's not six foot five and a bodybuilder or whatever Ricky Starks is a beautiful man but you know playing into Vince McMahon's silly stereotypes yeah. that will hopefully now end fingers crossed of course uh, it, that to make it as a mainstream level he, the idea that this guy somehow didn't tick all the boxes is wild to me um he's been great for so long he was great in the NWA before this he was great on the Indies before this with X extra talented he was great on the texas scene when he was doing smaller scale stuff people overlooked him because he didn't get this grand indie run like a lot of people did like your keith lees and your adam coles and your young bucks and name list names right Mm -hmm. there's millions of them he didn't have that same run he didn't have that same level of free advertisement effectively he didn't get those shots he didn't get the wwe shop apart from that time he was an extra and he got pushed against the wall by ryback was it yeah yeah crazy stuff uh and it's taken so long. So that promo really is from the heart. He should be done being patient. Ricky Starks is a star in the making. He's a babyface star in the making at that. So for him to cut this promo and then for Hobbs to twist the knife is what made it so effective because he built you up and then he knocked you down. And what they've done in this sequence of events is they've presented Ricky as a mega star in the making. In that video package, they've had him win. They've they've reheated Hook 
in the squash match. They've established Ricky as a baby face of the future. Well, now, of course, because the turn's complete. And they've 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 heated Hobbs up as a bigger heel than ever before by so cruelly turning on him. They teased this in the road to last week when they cut another really good promo, but there was a slight bit of disagreeing going on between Hobbs and Starks, and Hobbs, you know, got this look from Ricky as he was walking away. That suggested that, you know, something wasn't right and they flipped it here. This was a great example of accomplishing so much in just 10 minutes of TV time. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you fill a lot of things into one tiny slot, maybe sometimes it feels rushed. Uh Uh-uh, not this. Also, very impressive to note. Uh, I I don't want to, you know, dampen the praise on Ricky Starks, but just to refocus on Team Taz. They've had this title for two years. They've yeah. just passed it around three of them. Yeah. And every single one has had a really good story associated with yeah. it. Obviously, the, the sort of ousting of Brian Cage and now that, like you say, respectful, but the crowning of, of, of Hook. Also, I've just hooked on the Wikipedia page for it. These have changed hands. Uh, Fighter Fest, first mm-hmm. one was when it was sort of awarded to Brian Cage, of course, by Taz. That was night two of Fighter Fest in 2020. Night one of Fighter Fest in 2021 is when Starks won it. Fight for the Fallen. Every single one's gone down in July, basically. All right, and so Hook better be watching his ass next July. Exactly. And <laughs> Brian Cage, combined days as champion, 377. Ricky Starks? 378? Correct. Boom, that's awesome. <laughs> wow. So really, it was like... Uh, a, a, a week past a year, yeah. obviously, with the one extra day from the year taking over. Yeah, and Ricky's title, when he won it, like, it wasn't a perfect match with Ryan Cage, but it was so hot in Texas. Like, it was so fired up. And that cemented, like, Ricky and Hobbs as this, like, together unit because they were bickering a little bit before that. There was some dissent in Team Taz, and then they came together and Hobbs interfered in the match. So that's, like, another nice piece of symmetry that when Ricky loses the belt, it's him and Hobbs falling apart after coming together when he won it. Just another little detail in this rich tapestry of lore. (laughs) Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> yo, yo, <laughs> listen. What came next was the acclaimed uh, hyping up an upcoming match with the Gun Club, I believe on Rampage. That's right. Well, they're doing a- Are they doing a rap on They're Rampage? doing a music video. One way or another, we said they're doing a rap yeah. on- They're doing a rap this week because you do not give Max Caster- or you do you don't not give Max Castro yeah. a live mic following the events of the last seven days. Hundred percent. So yeah, one way or another, uh, people are going to be so annoyed. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Oh, but you know what it's going to be? Yeah, be the pearl clutching. Oh, that's too far. Yeah. Where, what are you? I've read your Twitter. Yeah. You don't. You can't even see the in line, mate. So don't get on this high and, horse. You know, Vince McMahon is a billionaire. I think he'll be okay from a couple of rap uh, lines in a rap song. What did you tweet? It was a great tweet you posted. Don't <laughs> shed tears for. Shed no tears for deposed billionaires. You. Yeah, these people are. They're they're big boys. They can they can take a few jokes on TV. You know, it's <laughs> it's fine. You don't need to leap to their defense. Yes. Uh, Dante Martin versus Sammy Guevara was next. As I said, Sky Blue in uh, Dante's corner. Tay Conti, of course, in Sammy's. Um, I did like, I mean, we we sort of said that this was just going to be a high-flying affair where they sort of mirror each other because, yeah. and they're, they're, they are the sort of, Sammy Guevara is the sort of dark version of Dante Martin <laughs> in terms of just he's the evil one. He, well, he's not evil. He's just an annoying git. Red Oni and Blue Oni. I think that's an anime thing. Yeah. Is that a Pokemon? I think it's uh, a d- Dragon Ball Y. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I just I can't. I can't not do my gimmick. Uh, and that, yeah, so they 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 sort of cat boss <laughs> get into it with each other. <laughs> um, and Guevara hits a drop kick and spins into that pose of his, which, as much as I hate him in character, very impressive. It's still very cool. Uh, Martin gets in his own spin, which is great. Gets sent outside. Guevara goes after him. They sort of manage to flip and switch places. And then uh, Martin flips and lands on his feet. And there's just a stare down yeah. with Guevara, which is just Anything great. you can do, I can do as yeah. well. Uh, they fight onto the ramp uh, where Dante hits a brilliant diving senton running off the stage. Um, that takes us to a break. When we come back, Guevara comes back by countering a springboard dive with a rising knee uh, and a tope of his own. We get back into the ring. Dante hits an inverted suplex for two. Standing Spanish fly for two more. Um, and another two count off a full Nelson bomb. But then Guevara counters another dive into that springboard cutter of his and then hits the GTH for the one, two, three. Post-match, Guevara and Conte uh, go to hit him with like a 6.30. Sky Blue gets involved to intervene. Anna Jay runs down and just batters her alongside Tay Conti. And then Kingston, Ortiz, and Ruby Soho runs out to chase the gang of gits mm, away. Setting us up for Tay Conti versus Ruby, I think, for Rampage, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Um, yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. Adding Sky Blue to the mix. You know, the, her and Dante are a real-life couple, so boom, there you go. Instant, Instantly makes sense from that standpoint. And also, smart baby face going, hey, listen... Ty Conti's not going to be a factor here because I've got backup. That's good. That's good. Um, nice game of one-upsmanship. I think uh, Dante showed a lot of personality in this match. Uh, he's kind of coming out of his shell a little yeah. bit in that regard, I think. A like, couple of people on this show did that, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's letting Sammy know early by mocking the pose that um, you're not going to get inside my head by doing this stuff. And then after then, it was interesting that the moves kind of become the taunts and they're kind of, they're matching each other with these flips and they're landing and they're staring each other down. And then it becomes the, the kind of typical one-upsmanship you kind of expect from this brand of psychology. 
Uh, and it is a brand of psychology. It's not just mindless nonsense that some people will portray it as. Uh, Love the finish to this as well. It was, oh my goodness. Um, flipping, going for the nosedive, bouncing off over the ropes, landing. But Sammy is just kind of like one step ahead and he follows your bounces off the ropes and comes in with a cutter. It's really good. There was one like kind of, I always call it the jumping nothing when a guy just kind of jumps into a move. There was one of those. Yes, which, I saw that just getting outside. Yeah, that rattled me a little bit and I was like, oh boy, but nowhere near enough to like put a dampener on the match. It was just like a good fun TV affair with a story that made sense with the tie and sky blue stuff. And then the save. I will say, I wish Eddie got someone, pardon me, my throat went a bit wonky there. I wish Eddie got something a little bit more substantial here. Yes. Um, him kind of firing back after the nonsense of last week would have been cool. Uh, and it's a shame that we couldn't find time for that. But it was a busy night. And uh, like they, they got a huge pop when he ran down. It shows that he's kind of immortal. And I do hope Dante Martin's all right, because I saw some yeah. tweets about him potentially being looking hurt towards the end. Yeah, uh, they mentioned him kind of like his ankle buckling yeah. when he landed from the... From the, uh, the cutter, wasn't it? The, the springboard that's cutter. That's right, yeah. that's right. So I hope Dante's doing okay. Um, but this was a good showing from both of them. Yeah. And uh, Sammy, as the kind of flashy prick you want to see get slapped in the mouth, they've, they've found what he is now, and it's yep. good. It's good. Uh, Daniel Garcia cutting a promo ahead of the main event. Uh, said, look, Danielson's been gone for months, and I'm going to send him back on vacation. Hell yeah. Uh, and they're going to call me the best technical sports entertainer in the world. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. a very... I'm going to speak more to Daniel Garcia's character when we get to the match, um, but what a guy, man. Yeah. 23. Scarily young. Ridiculous. Uh, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, Satnam Singh there backstage. <laughs> this was hilarious. Lethal's really not happy uh, <laughs> about an illegal choke being used in his uh, Death Before Dishonor match. And uh, they are slagging off the best friends. <laughs> and for once, they're like, we're right here, guys. If you want a match with, on, with us on Rampage, y y let's just do it. Let's Stop go. It. And we're like, I know Sanjay, we know you can't go. And Sanjay, yeah, no, I love Sanjay Dutt. He's such a goober. <laughs> he's just like, don't take that about me. I can still do it. The so pajabi is back, whatever. Oh, three my three God. match on Rampage. That'll be fun. We'll preview that tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this was this was so much fun. Um, from Trent coming in and saying, uh, what are you doing? What, what are you talking about? It's like we're not standing six feet away in tie dye, <laughs> in tie dye suits. Miss him, can you? Yeah, it was just so much, like so funny from that standpoint. And then Sanjay getting so fired up, and uh, you know, going, going, ah, yeah, I'll fight you, I'll fight you. And then the guys walk away, and immediately he goes, "What have I done? I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore." I, I'm, I'm, i screwed this up. I, I've ruined everything. I, I'm gonna make us lose. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really funny, and it plays on, exp you know, the, the dynamics they have already. Um, I've enjoyed Sanjay Dot from his days in TNA, going Me back too, to yeah. when he was the guru and all of that stuff. I think the original player from the Himalaya and all of that stuff. He's, he's just such a fun guy. This will be his first match in like five years as well. Uh, so that's interesting, but. I'm kind of buzzing for Orange Cassidy interacting with Satnam Singh. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
then we got, uh, as promised, um, Jungle Boy. And I think it's fair to say you and I, you know, we previewed this, this yesterday and we, we were hoping that he was going to, you know, make us make us more than, well, he's going to make a statement regardless. He's going to mic shoved in his face. But yeah. you know what I mean by that. Yeah. And, oh boy, did he arrive here, I thought. So he comes out, Luchasaurus is by his side. Uh, and Tony Giovanni asks him a question about, you know, what's been going on and, and, and his relationship with Christian Cage. And he says, <laughs> Christian Cage, you are the biggest pussy I have ever met in my entire <laughs> life. And you're like, there it is. Here we go. Yes. Um, crowd loves it. He said, I, I didn't really understand why you're so bitter. What? Because I chucked you out of one of the matches and you didn't get a bonus or whatever. But then I remembered you were strapped for cash because your wife divorced you. And later on, he was like, yeah, your wife left you because you got a small cock. That's basically <laughs> what he said. <laughs> he goes after Christian. Um, he, you know, acknowledges about Luchasaurus and, and, and saying that, you know, he needed someone to protect him. So he found this monster. But that monster is my best friend. And the only reason that he protected you, Christian, is to make sure that the first person who gets his hands on you is me. Uh, I can take anything you can throw at me. And then he starts telling this emotional story about burying his father and his tears hitting the dirt. And, of course, Christian Cage interrupts from backstage uh, and he says how disappointed he is in Luchasaurus. Look, uh, you know, I could I could do all these things for you. Look how I was showing you the ropes, etc. But now you're just back to being Jungle Boy's lapdog. Um, and he said, Jungle Boy, I'm going to put you in a body bag and you're not going to have to worry about me insulting your dead father because you can cozy up beside him. Again, <gasps> by saying, you, you've told me all your secrets, and now I'm going to prey on your weaknesses. But this is all about Jungle Boy. Yeah, yeah. We said yesterday that he needed to kind of come out with some fire and some heat. And, you know, Christian has spent like four or five weeks just unanswered, ripping him apart, grabbing the kind of lowest hanging fruit available to him and burying this guy underneath it and taking his best mate away and, like, referencing his father, telling his mother and his sister they, they raised a little turd or whatever he said. Uh, Jungle Boy had to bite back. If he didn't bite back, he'd look like a loser. Uh, and bite back he did. Wow, where, <laughs> where did this come from? You're the biggest pussy I've ever met in my life. Goodness gracious. You know, he really, really came out of his shell here. We've already said that earlier in the show mm. about, about Dante, but here even more so, he was... It was a little bit, there were moments where he was kind of like a little bit wavering, but that's good in a way because it shows that this guy is like f coming from a position of being quite timid and quite mm. shy and quite reserved. Um, so it feels real and it feels authentic. And he actually, he demonstrated some really good crowd control here as well. So like when he was talking about Christian B having a turtleneck and a small prick and then everyone went, oh, and he went, hey guys, what, what do you think happened to the wife? <laughs> like that's, that's really good adaptive stuff that you expect from guys like Christian who yeah. are really great talkers and always have been. So it shows that the benefit of working with Christian for this period of time, it's rubbed off on him. Uh, yeah, really, really great. Um, we've had some, you know, we've, we've, appropriately, I feel, uh, spoken on this storyline in the past and said that maybe certain elements specifically relating to Luchasaurus could have used more time to develop. Um, I think that is still relevant for yeah, sure. Yeah. But this was a really, really encouraging promo from Jungle Boy. Uh, where did this come from? It was, it was everything it needed to be. Uh, guy's got a spine. Guy's not going to take this nonsense. If Christian can grab the low-hanging fruit, so can he. Wow. 
Yeah, really, really good stuff. Uh, and we go from there backstage to the Young Bucks, uh, where Brandon Cutler's saying like, hey, guys, three of us, three of us titles. <laughs> I'm like, that's not going to happen, Brandon. Uh, but what could happen is the Young Bucks and Hangman Page. Uh, he's there just, just chilling. Um, and they awkwardly wish him a, a happy birthday, which we all do, of course, here. Of course. Culture. Um, and they go to to maybe have a chat that's been been a long time coming. Mm. But bloody Dark Order show up uh, to celebrate. Spoiling everyone's fun with yes. their fun. <laughs> Turn it with goddamn presents and cake. What Imagine, do you think you're doing? I know, being happy. Losers. They, uh, That's half a Twitter, that. They interrupt uh, <laughs> to wish him happy birthday. Uh, Evil Uno does recognize... Sorry, we interrupted something here, but the books say, books say it's fine. Don't worry. They walk off. That, those teasers keep coming, Andy. Yeah, yeah. They're dangling the carrot in front of you. They've been doing stuff on being the elite with the deleted text and all of that stuff. So this is that making it to television. Um, and this interaction is a long time coming, like you say. Young Bucks obviously gave them gave him the nods to beat Kenny Omega to take the title. So, you know, it's been brewing, it's been bubbling, and there's still a lot of uh, personal barriers psychologically that these guys need to break down before they're ready to have that chat. And it's just, it's really good kind of diversionary stuff to have the Dark Order come in like Hangman's current friends and be like, hey, Hanger, what's <laughs> up, what's up? Really fun, uh, nice nod and the kind of thing that, while small, fits into a bigger picture and makes it baffling when you see people insisting that AEW doesn't do stories. Crazy. Just glad to see Hangman Page having a bit of direction potentially. Yeah, I was annoyed. He's been just, floating, hasn't mm. he? He's been kind of drifting in the ocean, but we got someone cooking now, and mm. it's it's pretty cool. And uh, then it was time for the handicap match: Swerve versus Tony Nese, his tiny knees, and Mark Sterling. So a three-on-one match, really, yeah, and all twenty of his abs. Uh, Keith Lee's watching backstage. He's been banned from ringside. I, I'll be honest, mate. I haven't made many notes on this. You don't really. It was need just. To. It, it was, was good. a it handicap was good. match. Tony Neeson and Swerve are great. They do some stuff in the ring together. He can fight off both men, mainly because Mark Sterling's a lawyer, dressed <laughs> like a knockoff Captain America, basically. Yeah. Uh, Sterling did distract Swerve to allow Neeson to take control, uh, but eventually Swerve fights back. Sterling accidentally tags himself in, tries to run away, gets caught by Swerve in the ring, uh, and Neeson's been laid out, and uh, he basically just hits that jumping kick to the side of Sterling's head, to get the victory, but most important thing post-match, because post-match Nice jumps, swerve, and beats him down. Backstage, Keith Lee has been concussed, uh, and standing over him is Josh Woods. Mm. Took me a while to kind of figure out who it was, and I was like, oh yeah, Josh Woods, that's why he's so large, like he's a large <laughs> yes. man, Josh Woods. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we had some fears heading into this that it was going to be like, because the segment last week was so cliched. It was so raw light with the overcooked celebrity mm -hmm. involvement from Kevin Gates and the cake and all of that. Um, this could have been a similar pile of sludge, uh, but it wasn't. It was It was a, the, probably the best version of what it possibly could be. Swerve and Tony Nese are obviously very good wrestlers. They did some very good wrestling, and the story was that Mark uh, Sterling was just avoiding getting involved at all costs because he's a, a buffoon. Um, he's a complete idiot who thinks he can compete, and that's the act. Yeah. Uh, just a lawyer who thinks he can fight wrestlers. So, you know, Tony gets taken out of the picture. That stomp when he was hung on the ropes was really quite spectacular. Um, and Sterling has no choice because he's accidentally been tagged in. 
He immediately gets his ass kicked. Boom, boom, boom. One, two, three. Um, maybe the Josh Woods thing. I think that it came off a little cold, perhaps, because it was just, oh, we're flashing to the thing, and it was a bit half-baked mm-hmm. for me personally, but I think he's an excellent wrestler, and they'll have a very good tag team title match. Exactly. Uh, there's a video package with uh, Malachi Black uh, addressing Miro, potentially even trying to recruit him Ooh, Yes, the House of Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> Brody King's like, do you know why I attacked you, Darby Allen? Because I can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he challenges him to a coffin match. Oh, that's going to come back. That's going to blow up in your face, Brody King. But it's going to be sick. Like the, I think that the last the match they had last week, I've never looked at a cage match in a Dave Meltzer rating and gone, Oh, you guys are so boring. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that Dave gave it like three and a half, and I was like, oh, let let the light in, man. Let the let let the house let the corruption of the house of black into your eyeball. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. You losers. We're allowed to disagree. I'm just calling you losers for fun. I don't actually think you're a loser. <laughs> just to clarify. Uh, next up, and it was late as night. I'm thinking. Oh, um, just double check on my notes here, Andy. I don't think this opened the show. Yeah, I lost. I liked the prediction. Yeah. And when they went world yeah. title, I went, oh my God, he's nailed it. And then they went, obviously. Sucks that they put this in the death spot. Sucks. I mean, no surprise, though. No surprise. It just sucks, though. Shout out to Adam Blair yet again for giving us the timings. Uh, one hour, 24 minutes, and 13 seconds. Big which, money Blair. Which means he's that, done. despite me being way off with one hour, 15 uh, I win this week's Ladies' Night, yeah. which means the record, don't worry, you've not got the worst record because you've played it once. <laughs> Hamlet's played it like six times and still on zero. Oh, what a loser. Sidge is on, on two, I believe, and I think the king of the mic is on four. Wow. I'm trying okay. to rack up some wins while Sidge is off. So That's a good, well, we've got one more week, so if we could, maybe if Tony could book three women's matches so you can really streak ahead yes. next week, let's do that. Um, but yes, uh, Adam, can, can you add that to your list of things to do? Not only do timings, but uh, uh, keep us posted on yeah. what the scores are. I think it's 4-2-0-0. Can, zero, zero. can you dedicate an hour of your life every day to doing our job for yeah, us? Yeah, please, Adam, come on. That'd be nice. At Adam Wilton 4 <laughs> if you want to follow him and get the uh, the advance warning of, this is ladies' night. I'm thinking... It was Miu... Yamashita. Yamashita, thank you. Challenging Thunder Rosa... Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to echo many of your thoughts on this. I'll run through what happened, then you can tell us what you thought. Yeah. Technical wrestling to start off with. Uh, eventually, they fight out to the apron. Uh, Yamashtuch sweeps Rosa's leg, though, whilst they're out there. Rosa managed to avoid a running knee and hit a shotgun drop kick, followed by chops on the floor. But Yamashita comes back and dominates with kicks throughout the commercial break. When we come back, Rosa hits a corner clothesline and a slingshot knee drop, follows that up with running drop kicks and a northern lie suplex. That gets her a near fall. But Yamashita's not done. She fights out of the Fire Thunder driver and hits a, oh, really harsh series of kicks. Yep. A step-up kick, the skull kick. Uh, for a brief second, until you realize where Thunder Rosa just is in the ring, you think, oh, my goodness, mate, could they see a title change here? Rosa, though, is just close enough to the ropes to get to them for a near fall. They trade some roll-ups. Uh, Yamashita hits a kick combo before Rosa avoids her, avoids her finisher, hits a rising knee, roundhouse kick, fire Thunder Driver, one, two, three. Thunder Rosa retains. This was good, mm. but maybe not as good as it could have been. Yeah, yeah, both... Bo- Miyu Yamashita and Thunder Rosa are better than this match was. Um, 
I bigged this up a lot and I was really looking forward to it. So in that regard, it was kind of a letdown for me personally because I'm so invested in these people mm-hmm. and, and how they wrestle. Uh, and I really enjoyed the Tokyo Joshi Pro match, which I think was actually a step above this one, in fact. Um, so in that regard, yeah, it was a bit of a letdown. There were some moments where it felt like they were maybe struggling for a bit of cohesion. Maybe they weren't quite on the same page in a number of these spots. There was one while they were kind of jostling into position and maneuvering around on the apron quite early on that looked quite stodgy in particular and did affect how yes. how I was viewing this, which is why I bring it up. I'm not a botch guy, you know that, but when, when these things hamper your enjoyment, you have to bring them up uh, and hamper the flow of the match. So, yeah, probably on the lower end of what they're capable together, but I still thought it was good. Oh, Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like, I, it was a net positive on the whole for me. Um, your positioning is what it is. We can talk about the card spots until the cows come home, um, but still plenty of flashes of, of what both are capable of. Miu getting some nice kicks in, of course. Uh, and Rosa, man, like, I thought she worked really well as well. The moments where they were really locked into each other were nice and tight. Um, there's, you know, lots of different ways you can view these things, and all these takes are valid, but I was moderately satisfied when I was kind of expecting to be blown away, which is a shame. But like I said, they are both better than this match. Plus, you know, maybe it wasn't necessarily as uh, exemplified by this match as, as normal. But you're an idiot if you're one of those people who's like, oh, I've never heard this person before, therefore I yeah, don't care. Complete or I don't know anything psychopath. about it. <laughs> I knew about it because they told me about it on numerous occasions. Yeah, um, You could go go back and watch the match because that was on, was that on a dark that they showed it? Yeah, they replayed it on dark, that's right. Yeah, so you can watch it there. You can watch the And road even twos. if you didn't like me and you'd just seen them and the road to, even if you haven't seen the bloody road to, and you went, she's been her before, yeah. she could be her again, the world title's on the line now. Fairly quickly exemplified. You, know, yeah. you mashed us. Someone who kicks. Yeah, she kicks really hard. She kicks really hard. And she's a badass. That was the story. And yeah. I got it. And and Thunder wants the fire Thunder drive. You know. Yeah. It didn't exactly go to plan like you say, but good. Uh, yeah. If you're one of those people who just crosses their arms and says, "Well, yeah. I don't know who this is," I, I wonder how these. How do you make any new friends? Yeah. Well, this is it, man. This is it. It's like when you meet a new person, you go, oh, "I don't know who this is. They must be a loser." It's it. It's such a strange, and it's kind of, it's it's like a global thing. It's not just wrestling, isn't it? Where. In, in in our microcosm, it's, ah, oh, I don't, nobody has spoon fed me every single detail about this person's life. Therefore, because of my limited frame of reference, yeah. they must be nobody. And it's like, for me, right, in every aspect, and this is uh, every single thing, music, movies, TV, whatever, books, I don't know. <laughs> some, someone goes, hey, Andy, this thing's really cool. This is, this is why it's really cool. You might not have heard of it, but you might really enjoy it. So give it a shot. Yeah. I go, oh, this is a cool thing that I might enjoy. Exactly. When you go, they must be a nobody or I've never heard of them. Oh, I've turned into a puddle of goo. What you're doing is you're shutting yourself off to something you might really enjoy. And that is miserable, yeah. my friends. Why would you go through life like that? A couple of things. It's like picky eaters. Don't be a picky eater. Well, that's good about, that's that's a bad to say hate. about food. Before that, if you've never heard of books before, I've got the best first book for you. <laughs> And that's becoming, that's becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, written by the brilliant Michael Sidgwick, which is available on Amazon right now. And also, like you say, picky eaters, if you've, you know, I've tried a lot of food over the years. I've kept trying food, Andy, after someone went, have you ever tried a durian? And I was like, what's a durian? Someone brought it in the office, and our entire I'll day I'll never was try ruined. that again. <laughs> I'll never try that again, but I will still try other things, yeah. despite the fact that I may have 
Colin, my experience of trying new things, because durian is the worst thing in the world. Life's too short to just eat frozen chicken nuggets every day, man. And I love frozen Benjamin, chicken I nuggets. I love Benjamin Richardson, but it was it his fault. It was that rascal. I'm not brought in here. the durian. Brain. Whole kitchen was ruined. Put it in the bin. That's why we had to move offices. That's the real reason. Those things are banned from the train in Singapore because yep. they stink so much. And an unnamed member of the office who, I'm not going to, I'll narrow it down. I won't name and shame them, but they no longer work for us. Not because of this. Uh, fish, <laughs> fished it out and, and took them home because they liked them so monster. much. Absolute Absolute monster. monster. A quick word before we kind of move in. Jim Ross was not good in this match. Really disappointed by his performance here. And it's a shame because I've kind of enjoyed this role of him coming out towards the end of the show and getting his pop because he's a legend. And uh, like giving a bit of gravitas mm-hmm. to the bigger matches. Yeah. What was he talking about early on when he went, they're not working at a championship pace? What was he on about? They, no idea. Like, for the flaws of the match, which we've gone over, the pace wasn't one of them. They were competitive early on. They were quickly working to try and engineer advantages. They were going for holds. They were going for pinfalls. It was quick. It was, you know, it was competitive. There was a spirit behind it. I, I was bewildered by that. What's championship pace? I've watched a championship match in AEW go to a time limit. Exactly. I've watched a championship match in you know, go a minute. Yeah. Like there isn't, there's no such thing as championship pace. Exactly. But even so, if there was, if you're arguing that there is, this wasn't the match to call out for not going to championship. Yeah. Exactly. You, like the announcer, they're, they're meant to enhance the action mm. and cover flaws, not call them out. But this wasn't even a flaw. Like if you're going to, call anything out there were other things you could have picked on it was just a shame because there are still moments when jim who's you know jim's had a hard life particularly over the past few years and i give him a lot of leeway and i i hope his health you know starts improving and 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 all of that stuff i have nothing but respect for what this man has done in pro wrestling but you have nights like tonight where he unfortunately doesn't enhance the action and this was one of them Mm. Uh, then Excalibur does his big old shopping list for the week. <laughs> uh, Chris Jericho joins commentary, and it's time for, for in no uh, small, small terms, the main event. It was the return of Brian Danielson, of course, against Daniel Garcia. And there was a bit of me thinking, why is this the main event? Yeah, what's going on? And then... What's going on, guys? They showed to me exactly what's going on, guys. So, it was Brian Danielson versus Daniel Garcia... Danielson does not mess about. He immediately attacks him, beats him up, ground and pound, back in the ring. Garcia gets an advantage, though, sends Danielson hard into the barricade on the outside and exposes the concrete by pulling up the pads next to the ring. But he takes too long. Danielson recovers. Yes, kicks. Running knee on the outside. Everything's going to plan so far, Andy. Everything is is going as we anticipate it would. And then Danielson goes up top. Garcia's still selling. Turns around. Boom. Missile dropkick from Brian Danielson, and then he doesn't move. And the little worker mm-hmm. that he is, we all go, oh, no. Because we all know, like, yeah. we, I, I've never taken a single bump in the ring, let alone a bloody missile dropkick. Yeah. But we know you hit it, you land on your back, and in all likelihood, your head snaps back a little bit because that's a rough bump to, to take, and you're not even the one really taking a move here. But it's Brian Danielson. We know what, you know, when we said he was injured and he was, I don't know, don't worry, I can still do long division or whatever it was. I was still like, yeah, still not, still not really yeah. comfortable until I know the exact terminology here. So when he stops moving, when he suddenly is motionless, and then and it, it's all, Danielson is the only wrestler, I'd say, that I can think of at the top of my head that can personify the referee throwing up the dreaded X without the referee actually throwing yeah, yeah, up yeah, the yeah. dreaded X. <laughs> 
And they start telling the story on commentary. And Jericho's great here because he's piling on him, of course, and he's backing his boy, saying, has he returned from injury a little bit too fast? You know, we, we know that his style is hard-hitting and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's missed so much time in the ring over the years. But if he wasn't ready to come back, it's not a good idea to come back, especially if you're in there with Daniel Garcia. And Daniel Garcia epitomizes that. He just jumps all over him, strikes, um, and he's, he's just trying to hit him as hard as he can and get him out of there as fast as he can. Um, but Danielson comes back, does that step-up flip thing out of the corner, and he immediately again falls to his yeah. knees. Great sell job, this. And then Garcia recognizes what he can do, sends him into the steel steps on the outside, and DDTs him on the concrete. Mm. I'll come back to this later because I got very angry and then went, well played, everyone. Because there was a bit of me that was like, if you're doing this story and you're DDTing on the concrete, that should be it. That should be the end of it. That's it. But anyway, that takes us to break. And we come back. Surprise, surprise, Danielson's busted open. He is (sighs) bleeding all over the shop. He tries to make a comeback. But again, not only has he got this, you know, returning from injury too soon, Mm -hmm. he's losing blood and... Garcia's what, 23, you said? Yep, 23. Yeah, so he's a young old pop. He ain't going to get tired. He just is relentless. They fight on the top rope, and Danielson thinks, well, the only thing I can do to get out of this is hit an avalanche back suplex. But arguably, that is worse for him than Garcia. And that's what they put over on commentary. It was a great job by all involved here. Daniels, Danielson fights back, though. Kick combo. Yes, kicks. Goes to kick Garcia's head in, but Garcia, technical wrestler that he is, counters that into a rear naked choke. Danielson escapes that into cattle mutilation, transitions into a tiger suplex. That gets a near fall. Garcia gets him in the old hammer and anvil elbow spot, and Danielson's like, that's not how you do it. That's how you fucking do it. <laughs> right? Hits him in a, gets a regal plex bridge for a great near fall as well. And then he hits him with the Busaiku knee and goes to put him in the label lock, but he's just. He's just not all there. And Danielson there, is, is a wily little git who scratches <laughs> and claws his way to the ropes. And Danielson has to hit a running knee. And uh, they're on the outside. And then as they get back into the ring, an arm, an arm just pops <laughs> up from the apron and grabs onto Danielson's foot. And he's distracted. And he turns around. Get off me. Turns back to Garcia, who hits him with a pile driver, puts him in a sharpshooter. Danielson's trying to get to the ropes. Can't he doesn't submit, but he does pass out a huge shock mm. win for Daniel Garcia. It's revealed afterwards. It's Jake Hager hiding under the ring, yeah. grabbing people's legs. Uh, Jericho runs down. They celebrate. Garcia's pe- face is like I, I can't believe I've beaten Brian Danielson. He has yes, by a certain shenanigans, but yep. you would expect nothing less than Jericho Appreciation Society, but a momentous win for Daniel Garcia, this, and, and yeah. what a main event. Definitely, and he should, you know, having an element of shenanigans is no problem here, because on the pecking order, they're obviously quite far apart, him and Danielson, and Danielson's like 50 times more experienced and stuff, so I felt it was appropriate here, uh, just to broach the kind of interference aspect of it before diving into the real brilliance of this match, which was Brian Danielson once again leveraging real-life concern into <laughs> into heart-and-mouth pro-wrestling concern. It was what we mentioned this uh, yesterday, didn't we? We said, Brian Danielson is going to do stuff with his head in this match, um, <laughs> Because that's what he does. He knows 
that people know all about his history of concussions and they know that the word is that this latest absence was concussion related. So if he comes in and he knows people are already concerned about him um, as they are because he's he's such a beloved wrestler who's had these problems, uh, he knows that he can use that to, to hook people in. That's why he's such a great wrestler. He's the king of taking these things and, and transplanting them into the fictional world. So the way he flips in this match was so well done. He starts off, as you'd expect, he's the domineering ring general. There's the point where he's like, where, where, where Garcia's like chopping him from beneath when he's got him trapped. And he's like, come on, come on, yeah. do it. Like he's that trying was to- terrifying. It really was. He's, he's trying to will this out of him. He's trying to be a bully. He's trying- to to raise this kid up because like William Regal said on commentary at Death Before Dishonor, we can't have all the best wrestlers because if you have all the best wrestlers, mm-hmm. who are we going to fight? He's trying to make Daniel Garcia, this young snotty punk, <laughs> be better in kayfabe terms. And then he hits his head on the dropkick and the commentator's like, oh, he bumped, he bumped his head there, lads. And then the story flips. Because now there's blood in the water and Daniel Garcia's not afraid. It's not even Shark Week. Exactly. Shark Week was last week, baby, but we're still here. And Daniel Garcia's a bloody piranha, ain't he? He's, he sniffs on that. He takes advantage because he's a savage guy himself, Garcia. He's such a complex character wrestling-wise. Um, and he jumps on that. And the story then becomes the ring general has this massive weakness that he knows is probably going to doom him, but he's going to go out on his shield if he goes out at all. So he fights back and his body's giving way on him, and Garcia, because he's so brutal, he's going to go after that head, he's going to hit pile drivers, and he's going to DDT him on the floor, which they set up through the Chekhov's gun earlier in the match when Mm -hmm. he ripped it up and it came to nothing, but they came back to it instead of just doing it for the sake of it. And when uh, when Brian Danielson gets DDT'd on that concrete, it means so much more because of the aforementioned injury and concussion stuff. And Garcia's... I really want, I wanted to speak on his character a little bit here, right? Because you know, his promos are quick and simple and all of that. They're always kind of fun because he's got this unique charisma about him. But it's this is testament to the idea that the character can only exist outside the ring. It's complete nonsense, isn't it? Really, we've just gone over it with Danielson. But Garcia is so complex... He's this wiry technical guy, right? And you know his style of wrestling by now. It's inspired, obviously, by guys like Danielson. But he's got, like, this this fragile ego to him, this veneer of, of kind of cockiness that is really quite easily shattered. So he'll go after people, and then he'll get flummoxed because he is inexperienced, and inexperienced youthful guys make these ego-driven mistakes. So here, it was him going for the hammer and anvil, which is, of course, a signature of... Danielson and the Blackpool Combat Club and Danielson immediately gets pissed off at this and flips (laughs) it around. It's just really good stuff. Garcia is so good at uh, leaping after people like a savage, but when they get the better of him, scampering away and being cowardly and that's so relevant to him and his experience and his age because he's a young guy and he should make mistakes and he should have flaws. Uh, This was just so good. Such tremendous pro wrestling for the reasons we've outlined and a huge win for Garcia that also sets uh, Jake Hager up to get his head kicked in next. Yep. So there you go. Great. Really, really good stuff uh, from all involved. Yeah, Daniel Garcia is just a prodigy, isn't he? And, yeah, uh, friend of the channel too. Yeah, and uh, just a quick word as you were talking there. I, stopped I saw you creasing, yeah. Yeah, it was just we were, we were talking about this in the office, mm-hmm. and I feel like if people don't know about it, they should be made aware of it. 
because you know his main event was just absolutely great. But the icing on the cherry on the cake is the discovery of how much of a like bully in a good way <laughs> that Brian Danielson is. So Stokely Hathaway, you may have seen tweeted a photo. Uh, of Danielson, a really cool picture of Danielson's face saying, this prick just knocked a big plate of like chicken wings or something out of my hand just because I offered him one. What's his problem? <laughs> there you go. And then the story we were reading uh, earlier, I think it was Fightful, shout out to, no crap, just Sap, Sean Ross Sap <laughs> Fightful, um, said, Danielson's a real bully. And you're like, oh no. Like he's a real bully in yeah. real life. And you're like, oh, that's awful. I don't need to know this. I really, like, I love him. And then you find out the people he bullies Paul White and Mark Henry. <laughs> Paul White saying that he sometimes tries to jump on their backs and choke them. Like, <laughs> how can you hate this guy? It's the best. The, the lore of Danielson continues, doesn't it? Such a top. A, his attitude on vlogs, I find particularly. Yes, amazing. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't get the young people, does he? He's, yep. he's happy in his garden, uh, growing yet, his radishes. And it's going to be really exciting now because uh, Garcia, like you said, this is a statement victory for Garcia. This yeah. is, you know, next time he wins a match like this, we're not going to say, oh, what a shock victory because yeah. he's done this, right? Yeah. Well, now you can do the story that people were doing before with the inner circle with like this young, you know, I'm going to take you under my wing because I'm Chris Jericho. And suddenly he's like, okay, stand a bit further behind me yeah. now. They were doing a bit with Guevara. You're too big now, for my wing now. Yeah, and yeah. now you've got like this guy who... Now, after Jericho presumably inevitably loses his world title match, it's going to be coming more and more to the fore in the Jericho Appreciation Society. Jericho's going to be like, well, let's remember his name's on the door. So yeah. I'm and really excited to see where they go from here. Yeah. But um, And it's a gradual thing. It'll need a bit of patience, won't it? It's yeah, not exactly. a simple case. It's like the same with Wheeler Utah. It's not a simple case of he beat Moxley, so now he's a main eventer. Mm-hmm. It's a star making is a gradual process and the best... Often, well, n- not necessarily the best because, you know, th- there are examples of WWE flipping the switch on the rock and him, <laughs> you know, exploding to life, but obviously not as Rocky Maivia. But <laughs> usually it's a, a years-long process. That's what it's going to be with Daniel, and they've got that time. But this was a big step towards it, and, uh, yeah, great for him. And a great match and a great show. And like I said, it, I mentioned it earlier, when they did the DDT on the concrete, I got so ready to be like, oh, I'm going to bury this boy. so hard when Danielson gets this victory. And then I was like, great, brilliant, yeah, fantastic. They didn't, they didn't do it. Really, really good stuff. Uh, what an ending to Dynamite. And what a Dynamite this was. Do let us know your thoughts on it on Twitter, at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, they can follow both of us. You can follow Andy Murray at... At Andy H. Murray. The H stands for... Oh, but a toad and it's magical. I've used that twice today. I don't care. <laughs> Andy and the tuna. Oh. Big tuna. Fear me that water. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Myself and Andy will be back a little bit later on today to look ahead to the biggest party of the summer. <laughs> Deal with the eel. SummerSlam preview coming your way a little bit later on today. Good. But for now, this has been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to Andy Murray. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.